Can you believe we're this far in 1 Corinthians? We're getting through it really quick here. Uh, This is one of the most famous chapters in the whole Bible. Um, It makes its way into weddings. It makes its way into all kinds of stuff. It's misquoted like crazy, you know, uh, (laughs) with uh, different contexts here and there. But uh, there is some rich stuff. I'm hoping we can get through it. If not, we'll split it and make it into two. But um, it'll it'll be good. So 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. And uh, let's pray. We'll get started. God, we thank you so much for... uh, this time together, um, as a family, as a church. Um, and we pray Lord that you would, uh, use this time to minister to each person here. We know there's no accidents. Every, every person here is, is for a good purpose and you want to speak to us. And so God, we pray that we would have uh, open ears, God, that you'd give us ears to hear and eyes to see, and that, uh, we'd be able to receive what you want to show us this morning and that we'd have the open hands, um, to allow you to come in and, and change and shape and mold our perceptions and our uh, our lives in general, God. So pray that you would just do that this morning and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Uh, really, the idea of, of going into chapter 13 kind of ends with the uh, end of, begins at the end of chapter 12. Uh, once again, the chapters were not, um, divine inspiration. It was a way to characterize and, or to uh, com- make it in, to where it like fits, right? And easier to find things and give some order uh, to the, the books themselves. But uh, at the end of First uh, Corinthians chapter twelve, verse twenty nine, it says, "Are all?" And it's been dealing with spiritual gifts and, and uh, spiritual gift offices and practices. And Paul says, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? Uh, Of course, the answer to that was no, but they were each given their own place for what? The edification of the body. That was the point of the gifts, was to encourage the church as a whole. But he says, earnestly desire the best gifts or the most fitting gifts. And yet I show you a more excellent way. And what the more excellent way is, is chapter 13. The gifts in and of themselves are a blessing to the body. But the church of Corinth, they love the gifts more than the love. (laughs) They wanted the gifts more than the love because the gifts are like, look at this cool trick I can do, right? Think of like Simon the sorcerer who wanted to have this ability, these powers, so he could do these things, so he could look cool. Corinth, they, they love to boast about the giftings that they've been given, but Paul says there's something more important than, than these gifts. These gifts are good, and they're edifying, and they're meant to be building up the body of Christ, but there's something that's way more important and can actually uh, negate the effectiveness of the gifts in and of themselves if it's missing. What we know that thing is love. Verse 1 of chapter 13. He says, Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I've become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. You know what that sounds like? Just, should I do it? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Lucas is like, no. I have baby sleeping somewhere. And that's, that's, a, uh, that's a twitch, a nervous twitch. You know, you don't can't, all of a sudden you start thinking differently. Before you're like, yeah, sure, hit that thing, you know. But... You don't realize, cymbals are amazing when they're in their rightful place of accents, right? When you're playing the drums. If you miss a cymbal on a fill, right, Jacob? It just doesn't feel right. 
you know? Everybody's like, <laughs> kind of has this, this lack of energy. It all flies out the room. But when a kid comes in here, and they do, they come in here and they start hitting the they always find the, the loudest one because that is the one they want to hit. And they just hit the same thing over and over and start sending you to the moon. A symbol over and over again hit is just like, you know, it's like what's, what's the worst thing you could do to your worst enemies? You can buy their child a drum set, right? And then say, here, practice. Like, thank you so much for the drums. I appreciate it. I, I like it. But it, 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 there's something about it that's almost um, insulting how loud it is, but it can be very, very annoying. And one of the things that they really focus on in Corinth, and we see this nowadays in the super charismatic, um, gifts first kind of movements is the, is tongues. They were all about tongues. And, and Paul says, though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I've become a sounding brass or a clanging symbol. If you're, if you don't have love, it doesn't matter just because you have gifting that can be completely, it loses all of its power and all of its influence without love. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. This, this takes it up a whole nother notch, right? Second notch. First notch is tongue. Second notch is prophecy, uh, understanding mysteries and knowledge, uh, having faith to remove mountains, Without love, it's nothing. It means nothing. Right? Because Jesus had said, if you have faith, you could say to one mountain, go and be removed. And it, you could throw it into the sea. And, you know. Because without love, when you're throwing mountains, you're not really caring where it goes. Right? That's a problem. Start throwing mountains, you could be throwing it on the whole village of people. And you're like, cool trick, man. You just buried us. You know? Like, that was so neat that you learned how to throw a mountain. You know? You might not have experience in this. You know? Remember, I was, when I was younger, I, I just did not care about people at all. Like, I just didn't. I, I would throw, I remember at lunchtime, one of my favorite things to do, don't, children don't listen, but I would take, an, like, an apple or something and just throw it into the middle of a crowd of people and just whatever happened, happened, you know? And, and then just, it was like a weird thrill or whatever, and you're like, yeah, you probably should have been on watch for something because that's kind of psychotic behavior. But, like, that's, that's when you don't care about people and you don't think about people when you're not considerate and you're just kind of wild. And it's like, ah, oh, this would be funny. See what happens. And all of a sudden you see someone walking out like this and you're like, oh, that was the one, I think. I think it hit them. This is not good, right? But that's what happens when you don't have love. You're like, oh, cool trick, man. You don't, you don't care about people. This is a problem. So, um, yeah. And, and it, basically it says, if I have not love, I am nothing. Like those things that I think I am that, that make me feel puffed up. And remember, there was a pride was a major issue in Corinth. The things that make me feel like I'm important and make me better. You, you have nothing if you have no love. And this love only comes from God. So if you're not connected, just the same thing with all the gifts. If you're not connected with him and you have a real relationship with him and you're receiving love and then in him he's giving you love for one another, then all the things that you do, are, it just doesn't matter. It doesn't mean anything. Verse 3. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Remember the rich young ruler? What did Jesus say to him? You know, he's like, keep the commandments. He's like, I've done this. I've been doing this since my youth. 
So go sell all your stuff. Well, it looks like selling all your stuff still isn't quite enough, right? Because he, he, he pointed on something that was an issue for him, and it was a hard issue. But it's not just about selling your stuff, because then we go, oh, that's what we need for eternal life? Okay, I guess I'll sell my stuff. It's worth it, I guess. If you do the math, eternal life, it kind of makes sense, right? But if it's not motivated by love, just like even in serving, I, I think it's important to serve. I think that you will grow in doing it. But if you think it's like somehow tied to your salvation, no, you're missing the point. You do it because of the salvation that's changed you and you see the point of doing it. And you go, man, there's, there's some real fruit here, but it's not because you do something. Give it to the poor. And it says, and this is like notch three, right? The first one was tongues. The second one was like being able to do all these miracles. This one is like selling everything you have and giving yourself to be burned. Martyrdom. This is actually an issue where people were saying, well, I'm just going to go get myself killed real quick so I can go to heaven, right? What could be more noble than giving your life for the cause of Christ? Well, except for if the fact is that you're just doing it to, to make yourself think you're earning your way to, to salvation. We're all going to suffer. We're all going to go through stuff in our life. But if you're going to push the issue and, and think that that is what makes you a Christian, no, it's, it's the way you respond when these things happen. But that's not the point. He says, if I have... Uh, but have not love, it profits me nothing. So when we're talking about love, it brings up what is love. And love is just insanely distorted nowadays, right? Can we agree what love is? Um, obviously, I'm sure you know, Greek, that there are four different types of love. We use love, and it's it means everything, right? Like... <laughs> Like, I love that guy. I love that, that color, you know. I love those tacos, you know. I love my son. I love God. These are all, we use love in these contexts. And so it kind of like gets a little bit twisted, but there's four different kinds of love. Um, and most of you probably have heard this, but I'm going to go over it again. The eros is one word for love, and that is like erotic, sexual, sensual kind of love. That's in one way, and we obviously know that is used in that way. Storge is a second word for love, and it, can, it refers to, like, family relationship, which is kind of an extension of yourself, right, your family. Like, it's, it's different to love your family members than it is to love a, a stranger, right? It's just kind of built in, like your child comes into the world, and you go, I'm looking out for you, and it's kind of an extension of looking out for me while I'm looking out for you. But it's good. It's not a bad thing. Third one is uh, Philea love, which we get the word Philadelphia. And if you've ever been to Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love does not apply. If you've been there, you know that that city has long turned its back on, uh, on its roots, right? Um, God bless Philly. You know, I mean, it's just, you know, they got their stuff going on and, you know, that's it. That's that. Okay. And then the fourth is, which is, this is the type of love we're talking about, is an agape love. It is... Uh, Guzik says it like this. It is a love that loves without changing. It is a self-giving love that gives without demanding or expecting repayment. It is a love so great that it can be given to the unlovable or unappealing. And it is a love that loves even when it is rejected. The word has little to do with emotion as much to do with self-denial for the sake of another. Um, that's the kind of love we see displayed by Jesus. And as we're going through this next section, you really could take Jesus and put him in uh, 
for the word love. He's a perfect example. You want to know what God looks like? You look at Jesus. You want to know what love looks like? You look at Jesus. God is love. We know this, right? And, and this is how people see God in our lives is the love that we have for him and one another. That's why there's such a, a cool dynamic, family dynamic in us loving one another. It is appealing to the world. You go, how can that be? Well, because that, it, it's absolutely lacking in the world we live in. There, love has been kind of like thrown in together with acceptance, Right? That means love. No, love, we're going to see, doesn't necessarily mean that. It means something so much greater than that. So, here we go. Uh, verse 4. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. So, we're going to call this love from above. Okay, Genuine love. The real thing. Okay, It suffers long and is kind. It has a patience, there's a patience to it, and a desire to intentionally love others. There is a long-term thing going on here, right? Love suffers long and is kind. Again, think about God. Has he, does he, like, suffer long? Does he long-suffering? Does he wait for us? Does he stick with us? through? Absolutely, right? And that is the kind of love... We can exhibit to the world as God gives it to us for one another. Is kind something simple? Being kind to one another, right? This is something that we can do uh, that, that genuinely shows this, and it's a reflection of God working in us. It does not envy. Envy is, in, is incredibly toxic, right? We know this envy is like, it is the thief of joy. It is the thief of unity. It is the thief. Envy is not... Good. Love enjoys seeing others do well. I was watching a game this week. It was the, um, the Dodgers were playing. And uh, one of their best hitters, uh, Justin Turner, you know, the redhead guy. He, like, looks like a gnome. He's got, like, this beard. And he's a great hitter. And for some reason, he had only – he hadn't hit any home runs for, like, the first month of the season. And he's a really good hitter. And you kind of, like – sticking in there with them, but you're kind of, there comes a point where you're like, come on, man, you know, like we have to make a change here, Justin, even though he's like the leader of the team that's brought us to the world series two years in a row. You know, one of the the main guys, they say the head of the clubhouse, come on, Justin, you know? And so finally he hits a home run. And then on one night he hits three. Did he hit three? I think he hit three that night. There's another guy on the team. His name's Kike Hernandez, and they're like best buds, okay? Sorry, getting some Dodger, you know, background here. And Kike's been hitting the ball super hard at people, and it's, that's the most frustrating thing ever. So you're not getting hits, and you're all bummed out, and he sees Justin turn is, is, is starting to hit the ball out. Home run, home run, home run. And it's just like this awesome thing, and Kike's not getting what he wants. He gets up there and hits it super hard, and he gets out, right? And the announcers were mentioning while they were watching the game, Kike's love for Justin, that, that he was so excited for him when he was hitting the home runs. It didn't matter about the fact that he was failing. He was so stoked to see his friend do well. Not like, that should be me, man. Mine should have been a home run. Mine should have been a hit. Mine should have been. It's, he's looking at him and he's like, dude, 
you're doing good. I'm so happy for you. And it would show them have like some special moment in the dugout. Cause they're, they're close after every single home run. He's not like, okay, that's enough. Fine. All right. Whatever. I'm in the dumps, man. Good for you. I guess, you know, but he's like looking at him. He's like, you see the joy on his face, even though knowing very well, he might not be playing tomorrow. Cause he's not getting hits. Well, what ends up happening the next day is they both hit a home run. That's pretty cool, right? Justin, now he's got six home runs. He went from having none to six in 13 games. It's six home runs in 13 games, which is good. But the, what was more impressive was the guy who wasn't getting the spotlight, wasn't getting the hits, was able to sit there and rejoice with his friend because he knew not only was it awesome for his friend, it was good for all of them because they were winning. That's, that's what envy destroys. You're doing well. I don't like that. I want to do well. Well, who's to say you can't both do well, right? Can we all do well? I think that would be great, right? But when you're doing well, it might very well help me do well and help everyone do well. And, and, and that is more important than just thinking about myself. This kind of agape love, that you've got to get your eyes off yourself. It's impossible without it. I think it's a, it's a supernatural thing to be able to do this. But it is essential to get your eyes off yourself. So love suffers long and is kind. It does not envy. Does not parade itself. Is not puffed up. It's more about others and less about you. Remember? The idea of the gifts is to serve the body. The idea of this love is to serve others. It's also recognizing if we have anything to give, it's because it's first been given to us. If there's any success, it's like, why did you have success? If there's any favor, why were you given favor? Because God has given you this to be fruitful with it, to use it well. Those who've been given much, much is required. This is not just, I'm not giving you this for nothing. Verse 5, it does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked and thinks no evil. Does not behave rudely. Being rude is basically saying, I don't care about you. My thing is more important than yours, right? Isn't that rude? Like, that's the Costco thing when you're sitting there in line and someone squeezes in front of you and you're like, okay, that's fine. I'll allow that. And then they take all five samples that are left and they walk away with them. And you're like, oh, yeah, I'll go to jail. You know, like, it's worth it right now. You know, this is this. This seems like it makes sense. You know, I'm okay. Sure. And you're sitting there and you're like, and most people do something like this. They're like, um, excuse me, but it's like, they're already gone. This, this is not how you deal with these people. This is how they live their life, right? But love doesn't behave rudely. You know, remember like friends who maybe were brought up with different manners than you. And then you, you have to like find that out the hard way. Maybe you're the one that had no manners at all. <laughs> and maybe you're the one that did and they didn't, or maybe you had some that they did and they didn't have, and it's offensive, right? Like, I remember going to my friend's house and I never would think to go in someone else's fridge. That wasn't something I would do. Right. But my friend, he, he'll come over to your house and be like, what's in here, man. You're like, all oh, none of your business is what's in there. We'll deal with that later. You know, like, but then you go to another friend's house. It's not rude at all. They're like, Oh, go in the fridge, get something. And you're like, all right, I guess if that's the way, if it's part of the culture, you know, I don't want to mess that up. But then for me, it's like elbows on the table. Maybe you grew up, no elbows on the table. To me, that makes no sense. Who cares? What's just your elbows? What might be a problem for you? But the idea of not being rude is thinking about other people. Like, man, is this, is this kind of like 
stomping all over people or it might, might be maybe bumming someone out. And, and you kind of go through this when you have kids. You have to train them. Like, don't chew with your mouth open. They're like, why not? Because it's so disgusting, man. Like, I'm trying to eat here. And it's like, don't do that in front of me, you know? Like, I'm not, that's, and I, and you're my child. I love you. But for someone else, this is going to be a major problem, you know? Don't do it. Don't smack your gum. Don't pick it up. Don't, all these different things. And they're like, so many rules, you know? I know, because we're all very sensitive, you know? It does not behave rudely. does not seek its own. It has a heart to promote someone else not to steal the spotlight. It's a giving heart. That love is a, has a giving heart and a promoting heart. If we're all promoting each other, good things are happening, right? Is not provoked. It's, man, it, it, tell me you can't pick a fight in your life. It is so easy, right? There are always reasons to, to fight. <laughs> there are always reasons to be provoked. There's all, there's all, but we need to, love assumes the best and fights for peace. As much as possible, live peaceably with all men, Right? It's not easily provoked. It's not going to just, you know, escalate the second someone says something that you perceive to be a little bit off. It wasn't what you said. It was how you said it. Well, maybe it wasn't, okay? Maybe we just can't be on all the time with our theatrical, like, faces. Okay? You know, did you mean it? What was that all about? What's the pastor doing with that face? Was that, like, kind of condescending, you know? I don't know. I mean, I'm really not thinking about that. I'm just trying to, anyway. But you know what I mean? It's not easily provoked. We need to work on that. Don't be so easily provoked. That was something that we learned in the marriage retreat, right? That was what Jason said. Like, don't have buttons to push like that. Like, don't give that opportunity. Like, just let it roll off your back. Just be over, get over it. Have thick skin. Deal with it. You love with one. It's not like... Do you really want to live like that? It thinks no evil. This is looking for the best. It's not like turning your back to, oh man, I, I don't want to think about evil, you know. It's not turning a blind eye or, or not being honest about things. Uh, Adam Clark said that real love never supposes that a good action may have a bad motive. The original applies that he does not want to invent or devise any evil. Like you don't, it's, it's not reading bad things into good things. They just did something for me. Why would they do that? This is a one up. Is it because now I'm owe them? Is it, do they owe, I owe them now, right? That's probably why they did that. And the person's like, yeah, I'm, I felt like God told me to bless them and I want to bless them. And so there you go. Or you say compliment, you're a compliment. Okay, interesting. What does that mean? Is a backhanded compliment? Is there something? No, it's just take it for what it is and be stoked on it and then move on. Thinks no evil. Doesn't dig in deep. You ever have something where somebody says something or a situation happens and you build it up in your brain and you start going all crazy and then you finally have a conversation and none of the things you thought were true. And you've dove deep into this pit of de- destruction and despair. And, and you, you're calling out their character. And you're like, you know what? As a matter of fact, it was the way they were probably raised. That's why they're like this. And they're like, oh, I didn't do anything like that. And you're like, oh, good. <laughs> you're like, what in the world was that all about? Did we have to go down this trail? Love doesn't do this stuff. And, and, and I, you know, I understand this. I, I can do this. <laughs> 
I can be like, oh, what's that about? No, no, no. Something more, you know, if sometimes it can happen, right? We all can do this. Verse 6, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Does not rejoice in iniquity. Doesn't love to see others fail. This is a cultural issue. Right? They are, the article's about people failing, the, the news reports about failure, about mistakes made. This is the stuff that is headline news. There's no good news in the news anymore, right? But there is good news happening in real life. We choose to rejoice in iniquity as a culture. And so when you see what's on the news, you say, well, that's because they're selling to us what we're buying. <laughs> we want this. We love when you go, you go to the... Uh, I was sitting in Smart and Final. I had to pick up something the other day. And I was sitting there, and all the tabloid magazines are there. And I'm like, now, which one is that one? Is that a real one or not? You know, like, because, you know, some of them are crazy. They used to be way crazy. Like, when I was a kid, it'd be like, aliens found in, you know, like, Scottsdale, Arizona, you know, says that the climate's too hot, heading home, you know. And you're like, oh, obviously that one's weird, but you're like, oh, is Princess Diana really alive? You know, like, I, you know, there's all these weird things. And then you, then you see the other ones and they're just gossip. It's all gossip stuff. And, 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 and they love that stuff. Picking up the gossip. Love, true, real love does not rejoice in iniquity. It's more notable to give good news. You want to give good news, not bad news. A little more on that. But rejoices in the truth. Rejoicing in the truth. This is the opposite of what love can look like today in a lot of ways. Truth and love must go together. We rejoice in the truth about each other, and, and, and in truth, our love is filtered in, in a good way, positive way. Verse 7, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. This is where love gets some real legs to it, played out, very real action. So, bears all things. Love is on your side. You're, you're on the side of others, right? You want, you're, you're with them. You're backing them up, right? It's so important to back them up. A lot of times you can, uh, you know, here's a softball analogy. You can make a risky play if someone's backing you up. You can dive for a ball if someone's backing you up. Like you can go for something. You're like, let's go for it. And you, as long as you have someone back there behind you backing you up, otherwise the ball goes to the fence and it's a total failure, right? We're able to back each other up, to bear burdens with one another, to be there for them. And, and if you make a mistake, you're there to help them pick it up and clean it up and say, no problem, no harm done. I'm right here, man. I got your back. Don't, don't, no, no, don't worry about it. I'm bearing this burden with you, right? That's, that's in Galatians, to bear and to share in the burdens of one another. Spurgeon said this, and this really shows the heart of God, right, and his love towards us. Who, bear, who bore more than Jesus, right? He bore it all for us. Spurgeon says, you must have a fervent charity towards the saints, but you will find very much about the best of them, which will try your patience. For like yourself, they are imperfect, and they will not always turn their best side towards you, but sometimes sadly exhibit their infirmities. Be prepared, therefore, to contend with all things in them. When you're bearing with people, recognize sometimes you're going to see some issues. But it's also important to understand you 
also have issues. That's, that's what he's saying. Like, I, I, lo- I love how he says it. He's like, you, you might not get, always have their best side to you, but and the way he says it is they'll sadly exhibit their infirmities. Like their the infirmities of sicknesses where they're sick, where they're weak. It's been revealed to you. You can only do that in community and in, in when you have love. That's where you will see those things, right? It's like when you're dating someone, it's really easy to hide those things, right? When you get married, it's like, here it is. And by the way, you weren't asking, but it's right in front of you. This is for you to deal with. Surprise, you know, here. But you get to see it for what it is. But you, and he also says, you, for like yourself, they are imperfect. I don't do this kind of stuff all the time. But let's, let's do this really quick, okay? Look to the person next to you and say, I don't expect you to be perfect. Look at right next to you. Now to the other side. I don't expect you to be perfect. I'm not expecting it. Okay. Does that kind of free you up a little bit? If you're married to a, if you're next to your spouse, then it's like you didn't even need to do it, but it's good. But to say no, you don't expect it is a big deal. Okay, that's enough. You guys are talking too much. That was only very simple. It was only a couple words. I, I didn't even hear those words. You were saying other stuff. You're like, this is a good time. I think Chipotle might have a lower, less line. Okay. Uh, I'm kidding. All right. Spurgeon again. Love does not ask to have an easy life of it. Self-love makes that her aim, uh, makes that her aim. Love denies herself, sacrifices herself, that she may win victories for God, and her shall be no tinsel crown. The idea is this. If you want an easy life, man, this is not it. But the life that matters and the life that's lived towards God is going to endure with people through things. It's going to bear things with people. Okay, so that's bears all things, believes all things. This is not willing ignorance again, but it's an optimistic believing view of one another. It's like hoping for the best in, in someone. You know, like where you're like, man, I, I believe in that. Like, I believe in you. I'm, I'm going to believe the best here. Another Spurgeon quote, because he's got some really good ones here. He says, love as far as she can believes in her fellows. I know some persons who habitually believe everything that is bad, but they are not the children of love. Right? If you just take in everything that's bad without checking it, that's not good. I wish that the chatters would take a turn at exaggerating other people's virtues and go from house to house, trumping up pretty stories of their acquaintances. He's saying, imagine if the lies that were being told were about how good people were and you went from house to house. Did you hear how awesome, how much of a blessing that they were over here? And you're like, that's not even true, but I'll take it, you know? That's the opposite of what is going on so often in our world, right? That they take the one little bad thing without even checking it, the text goes off, right? The phone call happens without ever even talking to the person. And you know, if you've had something said about you that was false, is it not infuriating? Is it not more, what's more divisive? And then to find out, oh man, I wish I would have known that. I told it to like a hundred people. And you're like, well, there's no undoing that, right? You have to like go on living life. But he's saying like, man, believes all things is to trust God for the very best in your life. To believe he can do it. And hopes all things. That goes along with it. The world needs this from us. 
Is there anyone that should have more hope than, than Christians? We have the living God on our side. He can make beauty from ashes. He can change things on a dime for his good. He saves people the, of the most wicked. We ha- need this hope. I, you know, I just got the stat in. It's official. We have enough critics. Okay? Do, do we don't need any more. Like, it's officially, we finally reached the number. It's been years, but we finally got there, okay? We just need people who can have hope and to believe and to, and to not always look at, there's always darkness to see. It will always be there, right? The side of eternity, it will, there will always be darkness to see. And, and it's kind of it's hard to look at. It's hard to deal with. It's hard to, to process. But we are called to be the ones that inspire hope because we know a God that's above all the circumstances. And even if it's not on this side of eternity, man, we've got eternity with him. We should be the ones with the hope. We should be people who have hope when no one else can fathom hope. We have a God that is powerful and wants to show himself powerful in our lives. But when we start focusing on all the little things and all the issues, we lose sight of the whole thing. Actually, it happened, Second uh, Chronicles. If you're still on the reading plan, you're going to be here soon. It's good, isn't it? I, if you're behind, don't stress, all right? Don't stress out. Just kind of just keep going. Just do it, you know? Just keep going. You can just keep going with where you're at or you can skip ahead or whatever. But it's been really fun going through First Samuel and, and hearing all these stories. It's just awesome. But this is, we'll be here soon. This is Second Chronicles. King Asa uh, has been given a message from Hanani. The seer came uh, and, and told him that you haven't relied on God in dealing with this king of Syria. And so he's escaped you. So in, it's, it's 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verses 8 and 9. He says this to him. Were the Ethiopians and the Lubim not a huge army with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. As soon as you get your eyes on the issues of life, you miss out on the God that can deliver you. He said, when you had your eyes on God, did he not deliver you from these massive, crazy armies? And the second you look away, you can't deal with one that's so easy to deal with, right? Same thing was in Joshua, right? A little bit of sin in the camp. A little bit of not asking God, going into war. What happens? They get beat by an easy foe. One that they had already, this is no problem. We will take care of this. AI, no big deal. We'll handle it. They didn't know that they were going into this without him. And and they, they were taking things into their own hands and into their own mindsets. There you go. We need to have that kind of hope to believe God in things that we can't see, in things that seem difficult. He says it endures all things. We can do the first part for a little bit. I'm always like, I can do almost anything for a little bit, right? Like I can handle this for a little bit, as long as it has a time frame. Okay, you tell me, you have to hold, stay here for, I remember in Albania one time, there was this guy that says, I bet you you can't hold this thing up for over a minute. It was like a it was this giant bottle of water like this. I think it tore up my shoulder doing it. Um, but it, it's, I said, I can do it. It's a minute, you know? And so you're sitting there, you're willing it, and it's ripping your shoulder in half, you know, holding it up like this. But because there was a time frame, and because I was going to get an ice cream afterwards, I was able to do it. Now, if you're to say, okay, 
not, you're not going to have to hold it up like this, but you're going to have to hold it up like this for three months. You go, no, I will not do that. Even though the act itself is somewhat easier, like, yeah, this is, I can handle this. Or you have to hold it somehow for three months. I don't want to do that. I, how about I do the hard one for a minute and not stress out about this? What if it's not even that big of a deal? What if it's a water bottle like this? Okay. You have to hold on to this. You're going to have to hold it for six months. And you go, well, this isn't that big of a deal. Yes, it is. Because you know when you have one of these and you are somewhere, you're like, I want to get rid of this. So bad, right? And you put it in your pocket and it does not fit in your pocket, really. You're like, this is, is this how I want to live? I don't want to do that, you know? Your back pocket, it's like you can turn, you know, this is not good, right? Water's good. But... You get the idea. This is not something you'd want to hold on to for a long time. But we're called sometimes to endure. And love will give you that ability to go through that and to be able to endure hard things because you have your eyes on Jesus. And you'll be able to endure things with people because you have your eyes on Jesus. It's about the long haul. Not a sprint, a marathon. So he'll give you that. Love never fails. But whether there are... You know what? Let's stop there today. We'll finish the second half uh, next week. I think there's enough kind of to go through on this week. And and, uh, I I personally was extremely convicted. So sometimes you can do add more things on and you start losing some of the earlier conviction. And so I don't want to bail any of us out. (laughs) These are all things that God wants to work in us. They are supernatural, but they are... essential for us to live how we're called to live, to be a light to a dark world. I'll I'll close with this scripture. This is from 1 John chapter 4, verses 12 through 21. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us. Because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God abides in him and he in God. Verse 17. um, Love has been perfected among us in this. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so we are in the world. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. Well, that's good news, right? Fear fear causes you to do all the opposite of these love things. But when you are in the love of God, you understand his love for you and how encompassing, all-encompassing it is and how secure it is. We have it for one another. And, And that changes everything. Perfect love casts out fear. Get the picture, the word picture. It throws it out. It says, no, you don't belong here. We, we are uh, ahead of you. We have authority over you. Perfect love casts out fear. Fear causes all kinds of issues. Because fear involves torment. Like we don't want to be tormented, right? And, and to allow yourself to be tormented when God is trying to deliver you, is, it's catastrophic. And it will manifests itself in infirmity and sickness and in problems all around you. You know when you're not healthy, everything suffers, doesn't it? Everyone suffers when you're not healthy. 
You cause everyone problems. Because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. And verse 20 says, If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. We are called into this love as a, it's almost like a, it is witness of what we've experienced. It is, it is security. It is witness. It is, uh, it is the, the good, it's the good news played out in our life and then given to others. It is all about love. Why did God send his son? God so loved the world. He sent his son, right? Agape. It sure couldn't have been something he was getting out of this. He worst deal ever, right? Like, what were you thinking? You're perfect and you came in and you took on all the sin of all these terrible people who only mess up seemingly because you want, this is love. So you wanted relationship with us. And so we enter into this love by enjoying it, receiving his love for us and then allowing that love to change us and that to reflect right back to him and then to those around us. I encourage you this week. We went through, what, eight verses? No, we went through seven verses. I would encourage you this week to hit all those again. Go through them again. If you have to hear the podcast, that's fine. Do it again, you know, to kind of break it down. Because there's a lot in there. But then to take it and not go, all right, I'm going to try and do these things for God. That's not going to work. It's going to be like, God, change me. Change my mindset. What's repentance? Change of mind. I'm seeing it differently. I, it's not just about me. You know, it's, it's miserable. And we are so God, we are into the God of comfort. Our life is easy as opposed to the rest of the world, right? And we love comfort. And I, I do, I mean, I'm grateful for it. I never want to give that up. That's, this is kind of like, you know, you go to Mexico and you cross the border. It's a different world, is it not? You get into that and you start seeing your eyes are opened a little bit to mm, maybe it's not just about me. Maybe there's more people involved here than just me. And then you start looking around. Well, now what's, I don't live there, but what's around me here? Who's hurting? Who can I show love to? Who can I give, by, by being a vessel, get God glory from? Basically, you know what I'm saying? Like, if, if I'm being his vessel, he can get glory in my life by ministering to someone in here. That's powerful. These are crowns. This is glory unto God and well done unto you. So I encourage you with that um, as we move forward. You know, we're going to pray for Sherry. She's going to go on a mission trip. Um, And so we're going to pray for her after service too. But we're going to close in some worship. But I encourage you guys to stick around. Uh, We like to pray for people when they're going out to do stuff. And and, uh, we can pray for our little Mexico team too. And if you're on the fence... You sign up, man. We'll get you out there. And, and uh, we got some carpools happening. And uh, there's some tents available, I think. So anyway, let's pray. God, we are uh, so confronted by your love. And we are so thankful. Just like all mangled. That's why we got to eat the stuff that you make. And so her and Jordan were like, can we do this, this event? And has this huge vision for it. And it's awesome. And it's great. I mean, especially we did family camp, right? A couple of years ago, family camp, 
breakfast was pancakes and it was a jug that you put water in and shake it and then you pour it out. Here's your pancakes. There's some fruit and muffins from Costco. This is breakfast. Do you know what we had this year? Biscuits and gravy and eggs. And I mean, it was just like the most elaborate. But this is people using their gifting where they're supposed to be Gabby with her floral stuff. This She's a gifted florist. And this is something where you say, this is something I like to do. And I can bless the body with it. And it's a beautiful thing. You see the beautiful flowers out there every week? That's Melody. You know that, floor, that the ground out there has been blown out? That's Jim. <laughs> There's people doing things. And our cleaning crew, Kevin Alonzo. There's a lot of different people. Everybody's doing things. I don't want to get into all that. Every single person. You're all doing things. But it's a beautiful thing when you see it. Because I'll never think of flowers. I told Tori, if there's a flower here and it's dead, I will never see it. I will not notice that it's dead. You have to move it for me. Because I won't know. I'll be sitting here and there will be a dead flower or a dead plant. And I won't know that it's there because it's it's just not there in my brain. But when people who care, but I do like, it feels good in here. What is it? Well, the flowers are alive. Well, that's cool. I wondered why I liked it, you know. People doing what they're called to be doing, not trying to do something they're not. Like, I don't have to be everything. You don't have to be everything. You just got to be who you are in him. Let God do that in you. And the way, remember, how do we get the spiritual gifts? And and God, it's all about going to Jesus. He's the one that will stir that up in you. It's not just like, okay, and now I'm ready to just work. No, there will that will happen. But you need to go to him first and be filled up by him. Because this is a supernatural thing. It's only for him. It's not for other people. It's for him. We're serving God with that. And then you see how that works. So not all interpret, not all speak in tongues, not all heal, not, you know, none of this stuff. But we all have something that we bring to the table. Verse 31, it says, but earnestly desire the best gift. Go for the, pray for the best gift that you be most effective, that God would use you the most in the most needed way. What does our church need? God, I pray that I have something that can add to that body. What, what does the global church need? I pray that I have something that I can add to that body. I pray that our church can be something that can add to the community of Carlsbad, to the county of San Diego, to the state of California, to the country of the United States, North America, the whole world, right? And it starts with people buying in to that and trusting and saying, all right, Lord, here I am. I'm ready to serve. Let's go. Here I am. Send me. What do you want me to do? What's my role? How do I be a part of this? And he says, and yet I show you a more excellent way. Well, you know what the more excellent way is? is we're going to get into it next week. First Corinthians chapter 13. Ever heard of it? It's like at every wedding, right? <laughs> it's like something that's still allowed to be said. It's like one of the one chapters. Love is patient. Love is kind. What is love? Anyway, we'll get into that. But Because it's like gifts are nothing aside from love. And it all starts with that relationship we have with God. And it's out of love that we serve. We're not doing it because we we have to. But we are compelled because of the great love he has for us. And the love we have for him. And it it leads us to want to bless one another. And to serve one another. And to do what he's called us to do. So this, man, I hope you're encouraged this morning. Because there's a lot of hopelessness in our world. There's a lot of like... Where do I belong? Where do I fit? Like anxiety, depression, all of that stuff is 
just so sky high. That has a lot to do with the fact that people just constantly compare themselves because they see comparisons and they can't live up to a false it's like not real anyway. Like you're trying to live up to a fantasy. You're never going to happen. But we are called to be who you are, all the weird kind of whatever stuff. Like <laughs> God is going to use that. He's going to sure be willing to have some edges rubbed off. That's fine. But he wants to use you where you're at for him. It all starts with seeking him, going to him. And recognizing our need for him. And of course, uh, it's the first Sunday of the month. And we it all starts at the blood uh, of Jesus, right? Um, just got to celebrate Easter and uh, Good Friday. And what took place, you know, some 2,000 years ago of his body being broken for us. His blood being shed for us. That would bring and, and make a way for communion again with God. That ability to walk with him. That ability to be used by him. If you've been keeping up on the Old Testament reading, man, it's brutal. With that, the lives that they were living, right? Outside of God would come and he'd show up and he'd speak. Or he'd speak through a prophet. or he'd speak. It was just this, this dysfunctional, fractured society. We have been found and, and we have a way now to have communion with God. He can speak to us. We can cry out to him and go boldly before him. And so we celebrate that in recognizing his blood that, that was shed for us and his body that was broken for us. So we're going to have a song of worship where you can just, just grab the, the elements, the bread and the cup and take it back to your seat and spend time with the Lord and, and really uh, come back to that place if you need to of of repentance, reconciliation with God. And then really the next step is like, God, what do you want me to, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? How, what's the next step that you want me to take? Where am I supposed to be? And a lot of you, you're doing it. You're already there. But for those of you who are like, you know what? I feel like this is calling me into something else, into doing something, into being part of something else, to helping in, in one way or another. And, and not everybody has all the time in the world. Some of us have like no time at all. But God might be calling you to something, whatever it is. So ask him to, to, to put his finger on that thing in your heart this morning and, and then respond in uh, obedience. And I bet you you'll be blessed. I guarantee it. God will, will meet you right there and you'll be stoked on it. So let's pray. God, we thank you for, oh, your word is so good. It just, it just cuts us and.